All right. Welcome to Vision Sunday. Every year we, we spend time, um, the previous year, just trusting what God has for us and what God has saying to us as a church. But you're also going to understand, not just as a church, but as a people. I believe that when God gives a word corporately to the body, it, it applies individually to each and every one of us. Because we're a family, and family journey things together. And I don't think God's going to be five to six different visions in one body. But I really believe that God wants to get a solid vision going forward in what it is that he wants for this year. Um, and uh, it's, it's so simple to get up here and I said someone's going, so simple to get up here and just throw it off and I'm out there and say, okay, well, this is what you've been thinking about, this is what God says. But there's a lot more to it. And I want you to understand why we do Vision Sunday. And I want to say this to you, that uh, Vision Sunday is not just this Sunday. This Sunday I'll be showing you one section, one off. Next Sunday, the following, and the third Sunday, so the three-part teacher series. So you have to attend church, or you've got to listen to it um, on, the, on the website. So Tal's going to be putting it up there. But there's a, there's, in Proverbs 29, verse 8, it says a very simple thing. It says this, that where there is no vision, the people will perish. That where there is no vision, the people will perish. And I think it's something that we often mention in church life, and I'm going to speak to you about this before we even get to it, because I need to tell you the importance of what vision is. And not just vision for the church, but vision for your own life. Each and every one of us sitting in this room this morning have an expectation of what we desire this year to be. Many of us in this room have started making years resolutions. I said, well, this is what I'm going to quit this year, and I'm going to start exercising, and I'm going to start doing this, and I'm not going to start eating out there, and I'm going to look at all those things. But when you speak about vision in your body or in your life, I want to speak to you about a personal vision even in your own life. Is what is it that you are looking for in 2023? But not just how or what you are looking for. You've got to work at how and how you're going to achieve the dreams and the purposes and the plans that God has for you. Now you're going to say this, that God will never give you a vision that contradicts His Word. That whenever God gives the people a vision, it will be confirmed in His Word. And the Word that just speaks about prophecy, prophecy that says it needs to be confirmed by two or three. But let your vision be clear. In Habakkuk um, chapter 2, verse 2 to 3, uh, verse 2 to 3 says this, The Lord answered me and said, Write down the vision, listen to this, Write it clear on clay tablets, so that whoever reads it may run and tell the others the time is not yet. And so the word says that when you have a vision, that when you're writing out your vision for your business or for your family or for your school or whatever it might be, the word says write it down and make it detailed that the next person that fix up your vision will know exactly what to do with it. Amen. Woo. Phew. I thought there was nobody here this morning. It is so important because what is he really saying is be careful that whenever you and I get a vision, you've got to understand it's for a period of time. Why did he say write it down? One, that people around you can understand it. But two, that the next generation can run with your vision. It's so important that we miss this church life, we miss this as people, that we think, oh, well, we're just going to write it down because it's for this year. But it's not for this year because 23 years ago, God gave me a vision for Asia Family Church and it's still going today. The very vision. And you're part of the vision as you sit here this morning. But the word says, write it down. That your kids, kids could even understand what it is that you're saying or how you're going to achieve the vision. 
It's important to understand this that if you've got a vision, you've got to know how to achieve your vision. You've got to have goals. You know, we just don't take 15 well, sometimes I'll think about that, but we just don't take, you know, let me pick this is something on the field, so I want to play ball. We know who's going to bowl. We know who's going to try and bat. We know who's going to be the wicket keeper. We know the way they're going to field. We know what the goal is now, how many overs we've got to bowl and what the score that's going to be reached. So it's the same as a vision. You need to go into what you're doing with purpose. You've got to go with a plan. You can't just throw it up in the air and say, oh my God, whichever one I catch, that's the vision for the year. At some point, the vision can be selfish. And sometimes the vision can be just about me and just about you and what we want to achieve. But let me tell you something. When you submit that vision to God prayerfully, when you start to give God the dreams and the visions and, and what it is that you want for your future or what it is that you want for your family or your business, God starts to pour out those things upon your life. You see, <coughs> I said it a lot in the week before last, that the last three years for me have been quite significant in church life. And not just church life, but even my personal life. Because I felt that it was a season of ripping and a season of plowing. And I shared this other day. It's a season where, I don't know about you, but from when COVID started, it just like everything just started being turned upside down. Your ability to preach. Will we have church again? Church was closed. Are we going to pay bills? Do I really trust in God? Do I really, are we going to be able to pay the bond? Are we going to be able to pay the stock? And it wasn't just that, but my faith was challenged. And what is it that I believe? Do I believe that if God says it, that settles it? Or I trust God and I pray now, but I doubt God will say it. Or I say to God, I need you to meet my needs of my business, but 30 seconds later you're on the bank because you want a big overdraft. Is that faith? And so the last three years for me have just been a real season of plowing, a real season of just God turning some things in and the whole new church congregation that we've got over three years. We've lost some people, we've buried some people, some people have left, some people have started their own thing. But you yeah. And if you yeah at the start of 2023, I have to believe that God wants you to be part of the vision of this church. God wants you to be part of what he's about to do. And we're going to puff ahead of us. You know, we're going to find money we haven't got. You know, we're going to build buildings we haven't got bricks. But more than that, what's important is that we love each other more than anything. Because at the end of the day, this is the house of God that is seated in the building. This is not Christians seated in the house of God. You are the presence of God. You are the church. Each and every one of you sitting here. And whether we're in this building or whether we're in a plot, the church doesn't change. That because our venue changes, the church doesn't change. And so you and I have got to get to that place in our lives. We say, God, you know what? Whatever you've had to rip in the last three years, whatever you've had to pull out in the last three years, thank you. But this year, I believe, is a year of sowing. A year where we're going to sow who we are. We're going to sow what we are. We're going to sow the things of God into people's lives. We're going to walk a different walk. Because I believe, without a shadow of a doubt, that 2024 is going to be a year of harvest. Listen to me. And it's not something that you guys want to hear. Because most of you need a homeless right now because the last few years it isn't. You say, what are you saying, Pastor Kurt? Are we going to wait another 365 days for a harvest? Yes. Because when we sow seed, it takes time to germinate. It takes time to grow. It takes time to mature. And yes, you might be despondent and this is another year coming. 
But let me tell you something. There's one great thing about sowing is that you see progress. You see, we just don't we just don't sow a seed into the ground and then for six months nothing, and then on the seventh month the trees is bring fruit on it. That as we sow, we can watch these things start to grow in front of us. And whatever area you're going to sow into, be it your family, <coughs> be it your business, be it church, be it finances, whatever it might be, just know that God's going to visually show you this year how it's going to grow and how important it is to sow. I said it before, remember, man with no seed in the soil can't breed a harvest. No farmer to say, oh Jesus, I thank you for the bees and the potatoes and the tomatoes. It doesn't work like that. That we've got to put seed in the ground. And the word of God says that he gives to us according to our giving. That the same manner we sow, we shall harvest. And I'll give you a little bit more later on in the next couple of weeks. But it's important that you and I understand this, that this is a season where God wants to do something different in your life and in my life. The ripping is over. The tough times, yes, the soil is still going to hurt and maybe some of us are going to work for a lump for a week or two. But it's okay. Because you know what's the future. And you and I have to know what the future looks like and what it is that God is giving us. And when I was praying about the vision for 2023, God gave me three very simple words. And He gave me these words, yeah, gather, grow and give. And today I will speak about the importance of gathering. Next week I will speak about the importance of growth in our lives. And the following week I will speak about the importance of giving in our lives. And giving, I need to say this to you because next week, three weeks I'm going to empty the church. It's not about the money that I'm speaking about. Alright, we need to get that mentality out of our heads as a church. So God started to speak about gathering and I want you to turn to Hebrews 10 this morning. And I'm going to read from verse 16 to verse 25. And I really want you to spend time in reading what it is that I'm sharing this morning for next week. I also want to say this to you. Do yourself a favor that every Monday morning you wake up, start your morning by reading Psalm 23. Psalm 23 is something that has come up for 2023 over and over again. And if you go read it, and now we all think, oh, the Lord's my shepherd. No, no, I want you to go read it. And really understand what God is saying. Because if you read Psalm 23, you will understand what I mean by the season of sowing. That He's not going to leave us and not going to forsake us. But that He's going to use us to extend the kingdom. And so I want to read from verse 16, Hebrews 10. I trust you all there. Alright. So it starts like this. It says, when the time comes, I will make an agreement with you. I will write my laws on your, their minds and their hearts. And then I'll forget about their sins and I will no longer remember their evil deeds. When sin is forgiven, there is no more need for other sacrifices. Now, now I want you to hear this this morning. I'm going to go through a little bit more of it. But hear what the Word of God says, that where there is forgiveness of sin, there is no more sacrifices needed. And you need to hear that this morning. Because I, I bump into too many people that they think they need to do to get from God. That if I read my Bible five times, I'm going to get something from God. That I'm going to fast for 15 days because I want something from God. No, no. You read the Word because you love Him. You fast because you want to get your life from God. And not just the life. 
this important. And so we need to ask ourselves these things. It carries on and says, My friend, the blood of Jesus gives us courage to enter the most holy place by the new way that leads to life. And this way takes us through the curtains that is Christ himself. We have great high priest who is in charge of God's house. And so let us come near to God with pure hearts and confidence that comes from having faith. Let's keep our hearts pure, our consciences free from evil, our bodies washed with clean water. We must hold tightly to the hope that we say is ours. After all, we can trust no one who made the agreement with us. And we should keep encouraging each other to be thoughtful and to do helpful things. Some people out of, got out of the habit of meeting for, for worship, but we must not do that. We should keep encouraging each other, especially since you have that day of the Lord coming is getting closer. That's incredible scripture. Because if you take that scripture and you really go, you, you dissect it at home, you'd understand God's falling upon your life. You see, whenever we come to a vision, whenever we start to speak about gathering, it's often, we always got that scripture says, you know, that uh, uh, they take up a gathering of the saints and these kinds of things. But there's real importance of gathering together. There's real importance that we, you and I meet. Why? Because there are reasons, and I'm going to go through those reasons with you this morning. But there's one word that I want to put into your mind today when I speak about gathering, when I speak about giving, when I speak about sowing, when I speak about coming to church, when I speak about Bible study and Bible college, whatever it might be. And it's this, that it has to be a year where you and I are intentional about the things of God. And intentional about our lives. You see, it's not good enough to say, I'm going to put drinking in six months' time. Just do it. I promise you, I've seen nobody die that did not have a beer on Sunday. I've not heard one person that if you're going to eat properly, then do it. If you can exercise, then do it. And those are great physical things. But when it comes to the things of the Spirit, how many of us sitting in this room are committed to the Word of God? How many of us know the Word of God? You know the Word of God says, my people perish for a lack of knowledge or wisdom. And you know what he's saying there? He said that Jews, we say we believe in God, but we don't know enough about God to truly believe in Him. That if we truly believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that He died and He rose again to remove our sins as far as He is from the West, then you and I should not walk in any form of defeat. We should not walk in any form of heaviness. We should not walk in any doubt. Because we know who He is. We know what it's about. And we're only going to get to know Him when you spend time in the Word of God. The daily bread is great. If you want to get the hand on the skin of your teeth. The Word of God, the Word says, it is what? It is life to us. It is the bread of us, of our, of our belief system. And you and I need to get into the Word of God more than we have. Why? Because we need to be intentional about the things of God. Be intentional about our gathering. Intentional about our self groups, intentional about worship. And there's two things that I asked myself when I started to prayer this message, and it's this that we need to ask ourselves. One, why do I do things that I do? And what is the purpose of me doing it? Why do I do the things that I do? And what is the purpose of it? What is it that I want to achieve 
out of what I'm doing. Because we just don't do stuff for the sake of it. Well, sometimes we do do stuff for the sake of it. But what is the reason that you're in church? What is the reason that you come to church on a Sunday? Is it for him or for you? Is it so you can you can you can you can bring all your problems to God, or is it simply I want to give these presents? Is it because your wife or your husband dragged you here? Is it because you're scared the pastor's going to find you on Monday and ask you where you were? What is the reason that you gathered here this morning? What made you see everything in life? Most of you had made probably a hundred decisions this morning without even knowing about it. You made a decision whether you're going to come to church or not. You made a decision what time you're going to wake up. You made a decision whether you're going to have coffee or tea this morning. You made a decision whether you're going to shower or not. You made a decision what clothes you're going to wear. You even got to the door and you had decisions left or right door. That's how many decisions you've got to make. So when it comes to the house of God, why don't we make good decisions? Why is it that it's important what I wear, but not what I receive from God this morning? Why is it important that I attend church, but I don't come to His presence with worship and thanksgiving in my heart? The Word of God's empty schools and thanksgiving in us, empty His house with praise. Do we do that? Are we intentional about it? Are we intentional here because we want to get to know you? What is the purpose that we here? What is it that you want to get out of this? You can't just tell me this we got up this morning, but I didn't feel like getting up this morning. And then you look at me, I've got a white shirt, you know, something we can read. It's menopause. <laughs> <laughs> but you've got to ask yourself, why? Why? Why did you give me this morning? And even if you're forced here, you know what? Get a right attitude. Say, you know what, God, I'm going to turn things around. But there were five things that stuck out to me. <clears throat> and I'm going to tell you the reason. And I want to tell you the purpose of what it is that we gather as a church and why it's so important that you and I come to church every single Sunday. One, the reason we come to worship Him. And when I speak about worshiping, I'm not thinking about singing the songs. I'm speaking about a church that has a life of worship. That we worship God in the good times, we worship God in the bad times. We worship God at home as much as we worship Him in our church. We have to have a lifestyle of worship where we're constantly praising God. And so why do we gather? One, to worship Him. That when you wake up on Sunday morning, one, you come to church, why? Because I need to worship Him. I need to get into His presence. Number two, discipleship. Personal growth. That I'm here to receive personally what it is that God has to say to you. To keep ready, have people keep you disciplined, have people keep you accountable. But also that I grow in the things of God. And if I have to say to you, how much did you spiritually grow last year? Do you read the Bible more last year than previous years? Do you pray more than you did previous years? Is your prayer life better? Are you, have you got faith in the hands of the sick? Or not yet? Do we speak in tongues? Not yet. Do we walk with boldness? Not yet. All these kinds of things we need to say. How did last year go? And if last year did not go well, then this year better go better. But it has to be a thing of discipleship. Discipleship is one that we did one for another. Discipleship for me means to walk with your brother and to grow. And for me to impart who I am into you and you into me. Discipleship is important. Worship, discipleship. Thirdly, fellowship. To have a sense of belonging. And it's important that each and every one of us belong. Whether you like it or not, you want to belong. 
You can be an introvert or an extrovert, it doesn't matter. You still want to belong. Maybe you don't have crowds of people, but you still want to belong. And when you belong to something, you commit to something. Amen? I want to tell you something. I, I really believe that we're coming to a season of revival. I really believe we're coming to a season of signs, wonders, and miracles. But you and I are never going to see signs, wonders, and miracles. We're never going to see revival. You know what? If we, we never gather together. If we never gather. If we don't put things in order. There's a very simple philosophy that, that we need to grab a hold of this year. And it's that. That if God can't use you, God will remove you. I really believe that God waiting 30 years for you to get off your place of insurance and do something until those days are over. I really do. I think it's time to grow up there. I think it's time to stand up. I think it's time to be counted. Stop being embarrassed because you're a believer. Stop being embarrassed because you have to Stop being embarrassed because you know the word of God. Stop being embarrassed because you're Christian. Stop being embarrassed because you come to church. That's not what it's about. That we have to have a sense of belonging. We yell from each other. The word of God says that if one part of the body hurts, the entire body should hurt. And we haven't got there. And we're not going to get to revival until we get that working. We've got 600, 700 members in the church. And there's Penny, and she's been sick and she's been having seizures for how long? If we honestly ask you, how many of you have prayed for Penny? Don't put up hands. But how many of you have prayed for Penny for the seizures to stop? There's someone in the body that's hurting. There's people here that haven't got food on the table. There's people here that haven't got petrol in their tank. There's people here that are back in sickness and disease. If the one part of the body is hurting, the word says that when the body works well, the entire body should feel that pain and step up. Do you ever notice when you're in trouble how well you pray? Or when you need something? Or you need a miracle? Oh! Tongues, the works, fasting, prayer, the whole thing. That's how we should be for one another. Isn't it great enough that knowing that Sean gave you some stuff and that he's got 10 or 20 men that he found you shortly? You know, I know you're man, you know, but we're praying for you. We're praying for your business. We're praying for your family. We're praying for whatever it is. Isn't that what belonging means? That we carry each other's burdens? That we're there for one another? You see the problem while the church is functioning well? It's because we've developed an independent spirit. And when we're going to become a, have an independent spirit, all that we want is for me. People are praying for me. People are, you know, we, we want rain, but uh, we don't really want to pray for rain. When we sick, you know, we get spoiled because nobody finds us or visits us when we sick. But when other people are sick, we don't find us either. And that's not what family is about. Family is there for each other. Family walk out their burdens together. Family carry each other. Family are there for each other at a time of need and a time of crisis. When one is hungry, the family feeds it. When one is broken, the family fixes it. And the only way that we truly can become a family is when we fellowship together, one to another. There's Mike, that's in charge of the building project. He does most of the work himself. Until he started phoning around and looked something by that day, he's actually finding something, believe it or not. <laughs> and the next guy, it's got this, and the next guy's a plumber. In one body. 
And then the book didn't know what the son was doing. The book didn't know what the son was doing. That if I need a God who says, I need to use someone in the church. Because that's what family does. And if they mess up, I've got to go to dinner and they put you mess up. Not to go to someone else. Only very Christian, you know, they put you mess up. You point him out, hey, I'm not happy with your work here. And I won't recommend you to the next person. That's what you do. That's what family does. My dad did it to me. You don't do something right, you do it over. Until you get it right. Why? Because we're people of excellence. Why? Because the word of God says, whatever we do, do it as I do. So when you're cutting grass, when you're spraying weeds, whether you're changing hubcaps at the post office, it doesn't matter. What matters is that whatever you do, you do it as unto him. And you know what happens? And then God will give you more. Because I believe God will only give you what you can tell you Thirdly, evangelism. We gather because of evangelism. You say, oh, but I'm not that kind. No, no, no. Do you know how easy to invite a friend to church? How many of you got friends? Eight. How many of you, eight of you have got unsaved friends? Three. Praise the Lord. How many of you have invited your neighbor to church? Nobody. You've got to understand something. Yes, it's overwhelming. we go got to share the gospel. You're back in town. Yeah. It's great to share the gospel. And it's easy to share the gospel with, with, with fellow believers. But it's hard to share with people who don't know. So what you do is you bring them here and you initiate the gospel. <laughs> so you're like, you're like 30% and I'm 70% you say, how's that? No, you're like, it's probably 90% because you go here. It's not the embarrassment of Evangelism is what the church is about. That was the first thing grace command. Like, don't you want to want to be that you're Do you really love a neighbor? Because if you can't love a neighbor, how do you love a neighbor ourselves? And if you can't love ourselves, how do you love family around us? And secondly, the word of God is going to all the world and make not Christians, disciples. Disciples. You know what disciples do? They disciple and then they hand over. They give, they receive, they give. That's what discipleship is all about. Fifthly, it's an act of service. It's where we practice our gifting. That is why we get it. It's where we practice our gifting. This is where we learn to serve. This is where we learn to, to, to no matter what's going on around us, we're there. He was sussing tomatoes, he was praying for people, he was changing the toilet paper in the toilet, he was cutting the grass in the front. Doesn't matter what it is. You and I need to learn to serve. And not just serve the body, but serve others. Serve each other. Be there for each other. Be there in a time of need. Because this is an act of service here. And when you come to the house of God, I want to be involved in what is happening here. Because why? I can make it better than what it was before. On the other side of the coin, We've got to ask, what is the purpose? What is the purpose of you and I gathering like this every single Sunday? Three quick things. One, that you and I become Christ-like. When we're in the presence of God, we've got to become Christ-like. So you've got to tell me, you cannot tell me that you're going to walk out of this place the same as you did when you walk in. The presence of God was here this morning. And you know what God says in His presence? There is peace, there is joy, there is healing, there is deliverance, there is salvation. All in His presence. You got all of that this morning. 
And so we come to church to be more like Him. To exercise our Christ like this. To be Christ to those around us in desperate need. Secondly, to transform society. That's why we gather. Because what happens here on the Sunday has to flow out of those doors into our neighbors, into our schools, into our businesses, into our homes, into whatever area you and I go into. And if, if that's not the purpose of why we gather to become Christ-like and to transform a society around us, we can motivate us from every single day of our lives. Guess what? Nothing's going to change. You know what needs to change? Our attitude. Because the Word of God says that when we submit to Him in prayer, He will give us the desire of our hearts. Instead of money, why do we pray? Instead of looking at pictures every single day of the day, why do we pray? Do you believe that God is all the day? Well, then we should be praying that God is all the day. We're going to transform society around us. We're going to have Christians, I believe we're going to have Christian schools and all these kinds of things making a difference in society. I want to share this running young man with you when I was young in the ministry. I'm still young in the ministry. But there was a woman by the name of Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman, remember her? But I love Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman because in Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman there was this pastor in the church. And the church was everything. And what I mean by that was this that, that when anybody needed anything, they ended up with the church. When they needed counseling, they were with the church. When they needed to get married, they were with the church. When they needed food, they were with the church. And that poor pastor, when he wasn't at the church, he was helping Dr. Quinn solve a leg here, stitch up a person here. Packing shelves or hobby shop. He was where the people in society needed him. And I always turned around and said, Shut up. I want to be a pastor like that one day. I want to be there where people are needed or we are needed. And that's where the church has got to be. Jim Crouch sings a song, but he sings a song that he went down, he didn't the rest of the song. But it's not a Christian song. But he sings about this way he went down to this house of worship. And he says, And the church bells were silent. No more music was coming from there. And I, and I listened to those words this week and I thought, wow. That's the church style that's got a sound in there. And no one's thinking about, I don't know about you, but when I was younger, a little bit younger than what I am right now, 8 o'clock or 9 o'clock every Sunday, the shawl used to light up the church bells. The Lutheran church, the church bells, the Catholic church bells. I mean, they were cut. And you know what? And they ran that thing at 15 minutes before the service to say, hey, 15 minutes before church starts, hey, hey, And those who were late, put out of bed, they sparked out there, and five minutes before church, they would ring that bell again, and everyone would go running to church. Have we given people a place to run to? You see, oasis means a fertile piece of land in a barren country. That's what an oasis is. A fertile piece of land in a barren country. And oasis is people when they come and they're weary and they're tired, when they're thirsty, when they're camels are thirsty, when everything is thirsty, they find an oasis. It's a place of rest, it's a place of refreshing, it's a place of life, it's a place of sleep, it's a place of peace. And I've got to ask myself, are we that? Are we an oasis to the world around us right now? Are we an oasis to the, the, to the Charlotte area or the Thieves area or the area around us or in our workplace? Are we really a place of refuge? A place where people want to rest? 
And that's the third point. That the purpose we gather is to be a place of peace. This has to be a place of peace for you. This has to be a place of peace. That when life is falling apart, this is where you need to be found. This is where you need to be found. When you go to heart of your marriage, this is where you need to be found. This church is open every single day from half past eight to two o'clock. Or sometimes more. Nothing stops you from coming to pray here in the daytime. That when you're having a real horrible day, nothing stops you from parking in the front and walking around and going to sit in this chair to worship. Who did put up with you? It has to be a place of peace. It has to be a place where you and I understand the love of God. Understand what God is doing. And so I want to read the scripture to you again in closing. And I want you to hear what the scripture says after I preach to you. And it says this from verse 21. It says, we have a great priest who is in charge of God's house. So let come near to God with pure hearts, with confidence that comes from having faith. Let's keep our hearts pure, our consciences free from evil, and our bodies washed with clean water. We must hold tightly to the hope that we, that, that, sorry, hope that we say is ours. After all, we can trust the one who made the agreement with us. Listen to this. We should keep on encouraging each other to be thoughtful and to be helpful in all things. Some people have got out of the habit of meeting for their worship, but we must not do that, he says. We shall keep encouraging each other, especially since you know that the day of the Lord's return is getting near. It's a really important year for us. A really important year for you. You've endured enough. You've journeyed your hardship. You've made the tough decisions. Yes, you've questioned your tough decisions. You've made the right choices when it comes to finances. Maybe you started to turn your finances around. Maybe you started to turn your family around. We're not criticizing our kids anymore. Now we're praying for our kids. We're not criticizing the government. Now we're praying for the government. We're praying for rain. We're trusting as a family corporately. You know, the word of God should be two or three agreeing something with us that is done. And if as a family we start to come into agreement, we're going to see the supernatural take place right before us. But we've got to keep on encouraging each other. We've got to keep on gathering. We've got to keep on growing. We've got to keep on getting what it is that God has for you and me. And I want to encourage you. Start this year on the right foot. Start this year with a different mindset. May this year not be about you. May this year be about Him and about you pouring into the lives of others. Encouraging others. Strengthening others. Walking with others. Growing with others. Allowing God to do the impossible, not just in your life, but the impossible in their lives. So many are trusting God for a breakthrough. I've got to believe that this is the year of breakthrough. Stop procrastinating. Listen to me in closing. Stop procrastinating. What you need to do, you need to do. If you need to join the worship team, join the worship team. If you need to get married, get married. <laughs> if you need to go to Bible college, go to Bible college. Whatever you need to do, do it this year. Amen? Can we stand? If there's still anybody that needs prayer, I'm going to be in the front. I know we ran a little bit over time.
I really want to ask you as well, and I know I've said this before, 